Welcome in everyone to episode 115 of the Batfoot Podcast. My name is Damon here with David and Matt. And boys, we made it. Baseball is back. So David, how are we feeling this week? Oh man, it's so nice to be able to flip on a Cubs game in the middle of the afternoon and watch some baseball. Uh, it's been nice. Uh, this week was really busy, but you know, just having baseball back on TV, on the radio, it's just beautiful. It's a perfect time of year. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I uh, I would say the same thing about the Braves games, but Bally Sports is terrible, and they're broadcasting seven games this year, so uh, that's kind of a uh, that's kind of rough. But um, I uh, I've been able to watch a little bit of baseball. There was a game on ESPN today, so that's been a lot of fun. Just having something on in the day, and uh, I'm excited. I, I'm uh, ready to get talking today. I know we got a long episode, so I'll push it on over to to you, Damian. How are you doing? Uh, if we were recording this episode about 24 hours ago, I'd be doing a lot better than I was today, considering uh, my starting shortstop probably towards ACL in spring training in his second game. So that's not fun, but uh, it is exciting to have baseball back. I think at one point I was watching nine games at one time this weekend. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, to do that and just happy that it's back and to reward ourselves. Uh, that baseball's back in our, our podcast, we're going to start talking about the Oakland A's. All right, let's move on to the Texas Rangers then. <laughs> oh, come on. We we, we got to talk about the A's a little bit. I mean, do we? Do we? I mean, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I like Las Vegas, so, I mean, it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so, a good one. But, uh... uh but yeah, right. let's, I guess we can go ahead and start uh start with with you, uh, David. Who who do you who do you like on this team? Uh, nobody. Um, but I guess for the sake of the podcast, I'll go with Shintaro Fujinami. Um, he's a uh, import from I believe Japan. Uh, looked pretty good over there. Had a three one seven ERA uh, through his career over ten seasons there. Um, believe he throws a hundred. Uh, so. Just excited because we've never seen him. I'll probably tune in for a start or two of his, but uh, the Oakland A's don't give me much to be excited about, so I'll pick the one guy that we've never seen in the majors yet. Yeah, I like him too. I, I think that'll be a good pick. You know, I think the, the, I don't read somewhere where he was potentially going to be posted like three or four years ago and would have gotten like a huge deal and they never posted him or something. I'm not quite sure, but he didn't sign for all that much this year, yeah. so it's kind of head scratching right. um, why that wasn't. But it's also it's also a one year deal, so he may be yeah. uh, on the market, as it were. Yeah, I I like uh, Trevor May, one of their free agent signings. Yep. Uh, he'll probably close games, but they you know at this point, and we don't really designate closers. Trevor May is a late inning guy, but you know moving over from the Mets and having you know some playoff experience and and just a long career, I feel like Trevor May is going to be. A nice anchor for their bullpen. He's he's always been one of my favorite like content creator types. So big shout out to Trevor May. He's a he's a good dude, and uh, hopefully he can help help them out. I, I know it's going to be a tough season for him. Yeah, I was going to say you actually have to lead games to have a closer. Yeah, I was going to, uh, and then you started talking about playoff experience. Yeah. I'm like, man, you're just losing me now. Yeah. <laughs> There's just experience. Hey, it's experience, you know. He, he, sounds like he a sounds him. like he'll be a. It sounds like he'll be a more valuable piece to move at the deadline, which is right, really yeah, what this team needs. So, anyways, Matt, who do you uh, who do you <laughs> like or enjoy this season for the Oakland Athletics? Um, it's more of who do I enjoy following um, than 
actually like, but I think that I like the Estuary Ruiz. Uh, I'm, I'm sure guy. you do. I, well, <laughs> yeah. Main reason well, I mean, you got I, Sean Murphy. Well, I mean, not really, but I mean, they could have just kept Wilson, William Contreras, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's interesting to me because he's put up in unbelievable numbers in triple a and with really good plate discipline numbers, and he just hasn't put it together in the big leagues, which he's only played 17 games. But this is a guy who's put up a 134 WRC plus last year in Milwaukee in AAA before the trade. Uh, before and that's after the Hater trade, after San Diego traded him there, where he put up a 145 WRC plus in AAA. And uh, he's also a guy who I believe stole he stole 48 48 bases last year in the in uh AAA, but he stole 80 bases one year in the minors like you said so it was um, it was last year but it was between AAA and AA AAA AA that's right he stole 80 yep. bases between AAA and AA last year so this is a guy who with the new rules about the uh larger bases and, and and the pickoff rules and stuff like he could end up being a sneaky good pickup there and i think that's probably why they went ahead and got him um in that trade uh kind of forward thinking there a little bit seeing if they could find something that fits because sometimes when you're an organization like the a's that's not going to spend any money like it's a little bit like the rays you might think what the heck are they doing and then it ends up working and that's the way some you're just going to throw stuff throw throw crap at the wall and see what works and it might you know in a vacuum look like a horrible trade but then it ends up working out that's kind of what the rays have done for a long time so i think this is one of those types of deals where they're trying to be like the rays on this (laughs) yeah that's that's one way to compare it, I guess. I mean, uh, I, the Rays I, don't give up like all star players for throwing well, stuff well, at the wall, well, though. They, well, they like, they do. I mean, they traded Blake Snell. I mean, oh, I said all star players. He was a side Young winner. You think? I know, but he wasn't an all star player by the time they traded him. They did uh, get Manny Margot and like Luis Patino and yeah, and I mean, good good. And they're, 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 they're yeah. the team that traded for Tyler Glass now, right? Well, like, right, right. You know, that's. I mean, I, yeah. It's not the same thing, I don't think. But I, I would say we should skip over the uh, what don't you like about this team because the answer is everything. There, yeah. There's yeah. there's so little to like about this squad. Yeah, I was going to say we all pretty much agree there's uh, nothing to like on this. Uh, and then we'll just jump right to what was our grades and outlook for 2023 uh, for them. And I'll go ahead and start. I gave them F minus. I said it's one of the worst teams that we've ever seen. Uh, and this is entirely because of what we were just talking about, trading Sean Murphy for literally nothing. Here's the thing about this offseason for the Oakland A's. It actually would have been a reasonably nice offseason without that Sean Murphy trade in, in my mind, right? The the offseason they got included Aledmus Diaz for the bench. It included Manny Pena, uh, which came in the Sean Murphy trade, but they could have gotten him otherwise. It included swapping puck for jj blade which was kind of an intriguing move you got jay they got jace peterson who was good last year they got jesus aguilar who's been good in the past this is and, and they uh they got fuji fujinami they they grabbed drew Richinski from the kbo uh they just signed trevor may like this is a decent little off season that they had and then they went and threw it all down the drain with the, the Sean Murphy deal. Like I, I would have given them probably a B. And if this was like an established team with like some superstars, acquiring all that depth and those kind of like versatile bench players that could slot in, it's a really good offseason. But you're getting like Jace Peterson to start. Like this is just it ends up being so horrible when you take into context how bad this team is. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm not um 
I, I agree. I agree with what, most of what you said, David. I, I like their offseason from a standpoint of they got players who can take, eat up innings, play at the big league level, and they can move for may- – and if a couple of them have good seasons, they can maybe get an interesting prospect for them at the deadline. Guys like Jace Peterson, like you mentioned. Uh, they had a couple buy-low guys like J.J. Bladet was a former high, high draft pick and high-rated prospect that – it hasn't been in the big leagues very long and they traded, you know, they traded for, and they traded a guy whose ceiling is a good lefty reliever for him. So, you know, you get a, you're taking, you're taking a shot on a guy like that. Um, I, I thought that was a good move. I, I like I said it before, I really like the Fujinami move, but just because, you know, it's your, it's a one year deal and you might've found somebody who comes in and just absolutely dominates. He throws a hundred. He is 29 years old. That's probably part of the reason why he didn't really get a, huge contract here but you know you never know what might what you might find in him and then uh trevor may is another guy like you said i mean i think that's a guy you could probably flip maybe like david robertson type guy last year that the cubs got like mm-hmm. he could have a good season prove he's healthy and you could find a you know find a pretty good uh find a pretty good trade partner and actually get a real prospect for him so i like that part that like i said the, the sean murphy trade i think sh- trading sean murphy was not a bad idea with the but the but what they did in that trade i thought was pretty pretty rough i mean they really didn't get anybody from the braves in that trade that was very very good except for william Contreras, who they then flipped so i thought that was kind of weird but um i liked the cole Irvin trade too they got an interesting prospect for a guy who's probably a number four starter at best so yeah i mean the offseason's not bad but i mean this team is just rebuilding they're really really bad they need to figure out this season what they're going to do. I made the joke about Las Vegas. They need to figure out what they're going to do with that, if they're going to move or not. That they can't, they can't keep sitting here just kind of twiddling their thumbs without making a definitive decision. They need to do it or yep. not. So, um, but we'll see what happens with them. Uh, I don't know if this team's quite as bad as people think, but they're bad. I mean, when I say that, I mean instead of worst team in baseball by a wide margin, worst team in baseball by a narrow margin. So, um, but yeah, this is, this is not a very good team. No, not at all. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the Texas Rangers now uh, from not a joke this time, but David, who do you uh, like on the Texas Rangers? Yeah, the Rangers are an interesting little team. I, I would say my, my, my favorite player to watch on this team is Adolis Garcia. Um, his profile is a little modern where you know we kind of talked about it before the podcast but a lot of these younger guys and a lot of the approaches these days are you just swing as hard as you can all the time and you know you want you don't mind if you strike out 30 percent of the time or more you just as long as in that the the times you do hit the ball as long as it goes really far you're in good shape adolis garcia is like the poster child of that approach right the the hobby bias style approach just all out swinging not really worrying about anything else, um, but he's playing really good defense in center field the last two years. He's managed to hit 30 home runs both years. He steals 20 plus 20 to 30 bases both years. That might go up with the rule changes. You know, in terms of center field production, he was a 112 WRC plus last year. He's really, really good in, in terms of power, in terms of middle of the lineup production. You know. Of course, he's a volatile pro- profile. Of course, he's got the downsides of potentially just slumping and being really bad. But I, I love the power. I love the center field play. 
you need that for on a competitive team. We've seen that with like, you know, the Astros we're going to talk about later have like Chaz McCormick in center field. I would rather have Adolis Garcia out there. So I, I think he's a fun player. I think he's good for baseball. I think he might steal 40 to 50 bases. And if he has like a 30 to 50 season, that would be really fun. So I don't think that's out of the question. We'll, we'll see how it goes with these role changes, but uh, for now, yeah, that's my guy. So uh, Matt, who's your guy that you like for the Rangers? Yeah, I went ahead and just picked uh, Jacob DeGrom because I think that when he's healthy, he's still the best pitcher in the game. And that by all accounts coming in, he seems to be, you know, pretty healthy so far. I know there was a little people panic because there's something that they said, oh, he's not feeling great or whatever, but he was, he's been fine. Um, and if he's healthy, I mean, he's completely flips this this team and I mean this is a guy who his projection has him at a 263 ERA over 172 innings this year I mean that that's his projection uh which you know projections are usually pretty conservative so if he pitches I mean he is incredible and uh you know I I I just I hope he stays healthy um it was an aggressive move to go get him and I really like him and I'd like to see him do well yeah, DeGrom, if he's able to stay healthy, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch in Texas this year. Um, but for uh, for my guy, I went with my uh, my Dodger bias on this one, but it's Corey Seager. Um, I Big know we're going to surprise. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> I know we're going to wear this term out a lot, but I think Corey Seager with the, you know, reducing of the shift, if, if you want to say, um, I think he's just going to light it up even more. I mean, this is a guy we've seen hit. 300 with the old shift rules already and then he went to texas this year and i believe it was like 245 is what he ended up batting um but they said with these rules in in play he would have batted like 280 something still uh and he hit 30 homers like if he's able to stay healthy for a full 600 at bat season uh, with these current rules i mean you're looking at a guy who could potentially win a batting title while also hitting 30 homers uh, and that's exactly what you know what they're paying for and it's what uh this team was is going to need because they're going to need Samian to bounce back Seager to do that low to have that season and then you know Adolis to have the season that David's hoping for uh you know to to, to ha- have a chance in this division at all if they if they want to yeah but uh so let's jump over to players that we're worried about or groups that we're worried about here because uh David, you and I are kind of on the uh, the group train here. Yeah, kind of. Um, but the the thing about the, the the Rangers is that their their Achilles heel last year was their pitching. They had a really good offense uh, with Simeon, with Seager, with Nate Lau, like you said. But that pitching wasn't good, and so they went out and they got additional players. And I'm trying to navigate back to those additional players. I know they went DeGrom, and got um, DeGrom. Vivaldi, they went and got Heaney, Odorizzi. Yeah. Yeah, Odorizzi, that's the other one. And, you know, this is a that's a pitching staff that is very up there in age. They didn't really, you know, develop Jack, Jack Leiter very much. Kumar Rocker's still going to be a ways away. So uh, you're relying on, you know, Martin Perez to re- replicate his season last year. You're relying on John Gray to get back. And, and he's already, you know, a little worrisome in spring training thus far. Eovaldi, you want he's 33, but, you know. You want him to stay healthy. Keeney is a big question mark. If everything goes right, this is a playoff rotation. It's a really good rotation, top of the line. But I, I just don't know if I can see it all going right. 
it's it scares me. Yeah, I get that. I'm, I'll probably talk a little bit about that in my outlook for them too. But uh, the guy I was a little worried about is is Josh Young. Uh, this is a guy who was a former high draft pick, top prospect, um, and you know he was known for being a very good, um, to being you know have a good power and a good approach at the plate, uh, and you know he was a great college hitter, and he he came in and he he started off pretty well in 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 Double uh, A twenty twenty one, got up to Triple A in twenty twenty one, did really well there. But last year he dealt with injuries a lot, and um, he played in just 23 games at Triple A last year. And he was his stats were okay, but they weren't great. He was strikeout rate ballooned in Triple A last year, and his walk rate was like like 3.8 percent. It was awful, and he had a high batting average on balls in play to hit for a 104 WRC plus. But then, you know, he got up called up to the big leagues, and he was okay. Um, I mean. He had a few home runs, but man, the thirty-eight percent strikeout rate at the big league level just really, really rough there. Um, and it's the guy who you know you worry maybe about the injury kind of affecting him some. Um, and I don't know, like it's it's a little bit worrisome to see that. You know, we've seen these some of these guys. You know that were, he's really a bat only prospect as well. You know, kind of like his his defense is okay at third, but like it's. He's really more of a bat prospect. He's not going to run the bases extremely well. And you just – you really need that bat to be kind of what we thought it might be. And I don't know if he's going to fully have that this year. And, you know, you got a team like the Rangers who's thinking they're a contender, really counting on him. Normally I'd just say, like, okay, it's fine. He's a he's a guy who is a – you know, he's a developing prospect. You know, bring him up. and But you're really counting on him to be a great third baseman. And you're just kind of like – yeah, I don't know. So we'll see what happens with them. I'm not going to give up on him or anything, but I'm a little worried about him this year. Yeah, I mean, it's always worrisome when you get the younger guys who have dealt with injuries, especially a major injury like Jung had, to come up and if they're going to prove themselves or not. Yeah. Um, especially for a team that's you know expecting to try and be a contender this year. Um, you know, and even their other third base options with Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran haven't really blown them away. Um, you know, with what yeah. we've seen from them so far, but. Uh, the group that I kind of went with was the outfield. Um, I know David uh, touched on Adolis Garcia. I'm not quite as high on Adolis Garcia as David was, uh, but even then, looking at the rest of the bullpen or the bullpen, the rest of the outfield, uh, Robbie Grossman and Leody Tavares are their other projected outfielders. Grossman is, is a decent guy to be a fourth outfielder slash bench guy. Um, they just signed him the other day, and he's going to be projected to be their starting left fielder. Uh, and then if you look at other options, it's like Marth, Mark Mathis, Josh Smith, who we just talked about, uh, Clint Frazier's on a non-roster invite. Uh, I think Travis Jankowski's on a non-roster invite. Yep. And then Bubba Thompson is their other guy who had got um, you know some playing time there last year. Yoshi says uh, just, to go to. And you don't want to put Yoshi you in You don't want outfield. him to, but yeah. I, I experienced that with the Dodgers in left field. It was not, <laughs> not a good experience. Um you know, it's just, it's very worrisome for that outfield. Um, it's been a thing that we've talked about before. Um, you know, if they were going to make that splash in the outfield, we talked about it when they, when they made all the pitching moves there. Uh, they do have a good prospect, Evan Carter. He's been rising up uh, prospect rankings, um, but he's only 20 years old. Don't yep. believe, I mean, his max level is what, double A? Double A. I mean, there's maybe an outside shot that he gets called up this year, but I, I nah. very much doubt it. Um, 
So that outfield is just kind of worrisome, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them being a team aggressive at the deadline for if Brian Reynolds, um, you know, is is oh, going to get sense. traded, um, you know, if they're going to be aggressive to try and upgrade that outfield. I wonder if Justin Foskey yeah. won't get some some time in the outfield. He looks Maybe. like a pretty good hitter. Maybe you could just chuck him out there and see what happens. But he was really good last year in Double A for them. I mean, he could be a third base option for them too. I mean, yeah. he's only played second and third before. I don't know how we uh how he would be in the outfield. I think he's but... one of those guys that they've kind of said it's just like his defense is just not not yeah. hard at yeah. all. Yeah, but it'll be uh they're going to be an interesting team to watch for sure. Uh, you know, so what what is our outlook for them going into the the season? I I think everybody everybody has this, but I, I had him as an A for the for the off season this year with Degrom and in trying to remake that pitching staff. I think it's a great attempt for sure and i think this is a definitely a playoff team they're a playoff contending team looking to get into the probably into the wild card spots you know something catastrophic would have to happen to the astros uh to make the rangers a division favorite but they're gonna be hunting the wild card and they're gonna see what happens by the deadline i i like this position because you've spent a lot of money but you know there's definitely room to grow with this team and they have a good number of prospects that they could offload for a big trade. So uh, I think this team is looking for the playoffs. I think they're hunting for it and uh, you know, spending money to solve problems is a good thing, but you need, you know, Dallas market to be one of those that, that does operate like a big market team because it is. Yeah. And I, uh, I agree for the most part. I, I have them. Yeah. I think you had them at like an A plus and I have them at more of like an A minus to A. The only thing that holds me back from just making them like the far and beyond is because while they brought in a lot of really good, a lot of good pitchers, which I, I like that they needed to bring in good pitchers. They're all like, like, like we talked about earlier, they're all, you know, veterans who are over, you know, their youngest one that they brought in is what, 31 years old in Andrew Heaney. I mean, mm-hmm. so, and they're all, not only are they all, you know, you know, kind of older guys, but they're all injury prone guys too. I mean, Degrom, Ivaldi uh, was injured a lot. Heaney's been injured a lot. Like they're they're guys who haven't been ever been relied on to even when their primes weren't really relied on to be like, you know, super big workhorses. Uh, and I mean, I, I do worry a little bit about that. But the one thing I will say that kind of keeps me from being super worried is that what the Rangers did, I thought was. I think they have a plan because they have good pitching depth prospect wise where they have like Colwyn, they have, you know, the lighter and rocker and Brock Porter and white uh, Owen white. They have yep, all these Dane guys. Dunning. Dane Dunning still yep. kind of like, he's a young guy at least. And they, so these are all short-term deals. So I think their goal is let's get veterans now who can help us now. And then these guys will kind of start to, you know, come in and help out one by one until we build a rotation out of these younger guys that we've got. I think that's a really cool plan yep. that they have. But, um, you know, when it comes to this year, I mean, I think the pitching could hold up if they're if they have injury luck, which take a lot of luck. But I think it could. And the bullpen's all right. I really like Brock Burke. I almost picked him as my player. I like the lineup. I, I like the top of it. I, the depth worries me. Uh, Robbie Grossman. I watched him a lot last year, and it was not great. And uh, you know, I. I mean, I I like their top three: Simeon, Seager, Low, Adolis. I could go either way about him as a hitter. I really like his him overall because of his defense, but base running. But uh, Jonah Heim is is a good platoon catcher. Um, and I mean, I I don't know. I think this is a kind of a fringe wild card contender. They'll be, I think they'll be above five hundred, but I don't think they'll be like they might be the number three wild card or something. 
yeah, that's I, I have them as an A as uh, an A for the off season as well. Um, you know, and, and along the same lines of being a fringe wild card contender, there, uh, it, it's going to be extremely interesting in the American League this year because you have three teams in the AL East. Uh, you have two to three teams in the AL Central, depending on how you think of the White Sox and what they could potentially do. And then you got three and potentially four teams in the American League West that can make an argument that they should all be at least a wild card contender, if not obviously their division favorites, which we'll get to here in a minute. But uh, you know they're going to need a lot to go right. They're going to need that pitching to stay healthy, and they're going to need some of their young guys to really step up. Um, you know, to really make that push there. But so I think if everything goes right, they could be a wild card contender. But at the moment with all the ifs uh, or, or what they would need to go right for them, I have them kind of on the fringe of that wild card uh, contender status. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the Los Angeles Angels. I guess I should just say Anaheim Angels. I hate that they have Los Angeles in there. But uh <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, uh, David. Who do you uh, who do you have for the Angels? And uh, oh, and, and just a preference before we get to it, we're not going to talk about Mike Trout and Shohei Otani because, of course, we all like them. Yeah, it, it would be them too, and they, you know, they're they're astronomically gifted. They as they go, the Angels will go this year. But as we've seen, that hasn't been enough. I really like their bullpen signing Carlos Estevez. He was probably my number one guy I wanted for the the Cubs this off season in terms of um, free agent signings. And they, the angels picked him up early and they gave him a, a hefty deal compared to what the relievers are getting right now. Uh, they, so they clearly like something about him. And I, I think pulling that guy out of course with a 99 mile an hour fastball and uh, you know, in, in theory, enhancing his breaking stuff just simply due to not always having to play elevation is really going to help him out. Uh, and then, you know, you're probably going to put him in the closers role since you gave him some, some pretty big money. I think they, he's going to excel there. Uh, he's a really big dude, pretty imposing on the mound. I think he's the ty- the kind of guy who could uh, potentially get uh, kind of a cult following pretty quickly here and kind of, you know, be an impact closer. Uh, maybe not exactly like Diaz from the Met, the Mets, but if he could get a, a good walk-up song or something, create some energy for this Los Angeles Angels organization. I mean, they just they haven't had anything going for them. They they've got the two most exciting baseball players on the planet, but like, you know, are Angels fans excited? Are they excited for the season? Do we know? Like, who are they looking forward to seeing besides the two obvious names? Like, they this this team needs some energy from somewhere else, and I feel like Carlos Estevez could be the kind of guy that can bring that. Yeah, I think he's. I like him a lot. Getting him out of course is nice, but uh, I like um, I like Patrick Sandoval. I was gonna put Taylor Ward for a guy I like because I think he's just a really solid outfielder. But I decided to go with Patrick Sandoval. I don't think people t- really paid attention to how good he is last year. He pitched in a, only 148 innings, which he's gonna need to be, you know, stay stay healthy and everything a little bit better than that, but. Uh, he had a 309 FIP and a 291 ERA, put up four wins above replacement, has really good strikeout numbers. His walk rate could come down a little bit, but it's not astronomical. Um, and this guy was really, really good last year. In fact, he was like, you, you look at projection systems for, for the coming up year, and he would. we were just talking about the, how good the Rangers did at rebuilding their rotation. He was be by far the second best pitcher on the Rangers. I mean, so... You know, I, I really like Patrick Sandoval. Um, 
good lefty, has a really good changeup. I, th- I think he's going to be a, a pretty nice piece for them this year and uh, somebody who just doesn't really get talked about enough, I don't think. I'm very happy that you picked Patrick Sandoval because uh, he was a guy who I thought last year heading into the year was very underrated and was going to have a breakout yep. year. Um, so it was good to see him you know, do that. And, and I really do think that he's going to have another great year. But uh, the guy that I went with is Logan O'Hop or Logan O'Hoppy. I'm not sure exactly which way you say it, but uh, he was the catcher that they acquired in the Brandon Marsh deal at the deadline last year from the Phillies. Um you know, there's already been reports that he's going to be basically be Otani's catcher every single time that he's going to pitch this year. Uh, and for a rookie, that's extremely, uh, you know, valuable or, or extremely impressive, I should say, um, to immediately come in and be a personal catcher for Otani at least. Um, you know, in his, it was very, very uh, limited time last year he got the majors was only 16 plate appearances my only thing to take away from it is he didn't look like he was getting blown away um he didn't slug but he didn't look like he was completely overmatched there Uh, and then if you look overall through it he that was about a 290 average of 26 homers and i mean what about a 420 on base overall through his triple a last or double a stats last year um so i i think coming up here this year, being a, a young catcher for this team could be a guy like what David was saying to bring some energy. I mean, if you can get a guy who could hit 20 homers, play really good defense at, at a catcher spot. Um, and, and just, I mean, overall, you know, what he's shown so far is he, if he's able to bring any of that to the, uh, to the majors on a consistent basis, uh, he's a, he's a young fun guy to, uh, to look for. Yeah. Uh, so, David, who do you have that you're worried about for the Angels this year? I got to change it because I, as much as I was looking at Taylor Ward here while we were talking, and I, he was originally the guy that I chose to not like. I thought his second half was worse than it was. I was wrong. So I'm swapping off it because Anthony Rendon has not played more than 50 games in each of the last two seasons. Um, and that's not good. Anthony Rendon went healthy. is one of the best third basemen in baseball, but he hasn't been healthy in years, right, since 2020. So... You know, can Anthony Rendon overcome those physical gremlins at this point? But even the last two years, even when he has been playing, it's clear that he's either been affected by injury or decline because, you know, he has just simply not been effective even when playing. Um, and he's penciled in in like the four slot for the Angels. It's like he's he's very important to their success. Maybe they need to put him at DH and put Drury at at third base or something to that effect to try to get more production out of Anthony Rendon at this point. But uh, it's just been a long time since Anthony Rendon was, was one of the best hitters in baseball. So, you know, I'm worried that they're still going to have to rely on him, but him being the biggest worry isn't the worst thing for this angels team. It, It kind of feels refreshing that the only thing they're worried about is Anthony Rendon. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that if Anthony Rendon's the only thing you're worried about, like there's a, non-zero chance Anthony Rendon's like an all-star caliber player this year because he has right. been in the past. So like your answer, your your big question mark could be answered by an, uh, an all-star. Now it could also be answered by a third baseman that doesn't play again. But, right. you know, so it's worth being worried about him. I, I thought about putting him there too, but like it's it's one of those things that, man, it, it's, it could be answered. We'll get into it in a minute, but this team is just so volatile. But I, yeah. um, I, the guy, they t- the, the, I, I went ahead and went with a group here because everyone else seemed to be going with groups instead of players. So <laughs> I'm going with the uh, – I went, I just went with the bullpen because I think that I, I like some of these pieces pretty good. Like I, I like Estevez. 
I, I like Jimmy Hurrigan all right. I, I like Matt Moore okay. But it just feels like there's a lot of volatility with those types of guys. And I know bullpens t- always have lots of volatility. That's a, that's a normal thing. But the depth here just isn't like – there's not you know eight guys of which you're pretty sure two of them are going to be elite and then like two or three of them are going to be pretty good and then – or there's a group of like five of them who could be good, could be not. A couple of them will hit, a couple of them won't. Like it seems like the, this entire bullpen is guys who could be really good or could be not great. And and the upside of it's not like I don't see a guy here that I think is going to be like a shutdown closer. Uh, you know, I, I, I it's possible. I mean, Estevez probably has the best stuff to be that, but I just I don't know. I mean, I worry about the rotation depth too. I mean, but just kind of the pitching depth in general. I think they did some work here and got better, but I do still worry about it. And it might just be because of the names that aren't super attractive to me that, you know, some of these guys like Jimmy Herget and were, you know, was, was really good last year and, and Estevez was really good last year. And they're just kind of not huge names, but that could be part of it too. But man, it just doesn't seem like it scares me very much. Here's what I'll say before I hand it off to Damien quick. I think this is a regular season type of bullpen, one that excels in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, doesn't scare you. That's how I feel, and it makes me think that if this Angels team is in it down the stretch, they're going to make an addition to this bullpen to try to improve it. But I think it's a good regular season bullpen. Okay, go ahead, Damian. Sorry. No, yeah, I mean, I was going to basically say along that same point, like it's a very, very solid bullpen, which is something that Angels fans have not been accustomed to. I don't think ever really, um, you know, That's if you look at, I mean, yeah, I mean, but how long ago was that? Uh, you know, looking at, looking at 20 at the 2022 stats, nobody in this projected bullpen had an ERA over four and only two of them had an ERA over 3.6. I mean, I guess Tapera was at 3.6, but I, I overall, and I overall, what, one guy had under 40 or at 40 innings and everybody else had at least 50 or more innings pitched with those stats. So it's not like it was a small sample size. It was, it was a decent sample size for relievers. Um, you know, even Aaron loop who had a 384 ERA, I would assume he's probably going to have a little bit better than that. Um, I just, I think the bullpen overall is, it's a really solid group for a regular season, uh, you know, like, like David mentioned, and that's exactly what they need to try and help them make that push, um, you know, to be a potential, uh, you know, playoff contender. But the, uh, the one I went with was Jared Walsh. Um, we've seen Jared Walsh have really, really good years. And then last year was downright awful. I mean, in 2020, it was 293 with nine homers, you know, obviously the the shortened season, but a 150 WRC plus 2021 was 277 with a 340 on base, 29 homers and a 126 WRC plus. And then last year was a 215 average, a 269 on base. He still hit 15 homers, uh, but a 78 WRC plus. Uh, now is that due to some injuries that were nagging him? Is that due to some of the you know unjuiced ball, which the baseball savant numbers say he's hitting the ball probably harder than he did the couple years before, um, you know, he doesn't, he's not a guy who, you know, he, he strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk enough. Like there's just some real, real issues with Jared Walsh's approach. And if he's not being that guy, who's able to consistently have a batting average on balls and play of above 300, uh, what's he going to do? Um, you know, 
to help this team. Cause if, if you have a 78 WRC plus and a negative war player last year, uh, you know, he's a big part of what this angels team is going to need to be successful. He's also one of the only two left-handed hitters in the lineup uh, along with Shohei Otani. So he'll need yeah. to perform. They, they are relying on him. Yeah. I mean, Ren Gifo is a switch hitter, but still, yes, yeah. the, the pure left-handed hitter it is. But uh, so what is, uh, we'll start with David. What are your grade and your outlook for the angels this year? Yeah, so I like what the Angels did this year. You know, I think this is a really good offseason. I give it a B plus because I think they just they just missed on that impact, the impact addition where, you know, it's similar to DeGrom with the Rangers where I felt like teams that made that big impact addition would get an A. And then this is a team that didn't get that impact addition, but they did fix a lot of their problems, right? I feel good about Brandon Drury. I think he's going to be good. Hunter Renfro is very solid for what he is, which is like a 115 WRC plus guy, low batting average, high slug, good corner outfield defense. Um, and then I like uh, Rangifo was really good last year. I think he, he may actually be nice, but they've got Gio Urshela in a trade. He'll play the bench. Uh, Tyler Anderson was one of the first signings. And he declined a qualifying offer to come to the Angels. They spent a draft pick basically on Tyler Anderson. So I think they really like something there. And then obviously Estevez. This is a team that has a a good foundation here for the first time in a really long time, at least since Mike Trout's been there, Um, where this is a well-built team. They've spent some money, but they've also got some really, really skilled players. And in what is maybe the last year of Shohei Otani, they really need to have a successful season. And I actually feel like they're geared up to do that. I think they'll be in playoff contention all season. I think they'll be able to make some additions at the deadline. Um, you know, the back half of the rotation is not great. The bullpen has maybe some some question marks at the top end. But I, the, the lineup feels pretty good. And, and you would hope that maybe you know, for once, this is a team that could actually support Trout and Otani's excellence. Yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on a similar page. I gave them a B for their offseason. I thought that the guys they added were, were good, but again, I agree with you. I think this is a team that might have needed a, a, a – it's hard to say because they, they, the problem the Angels have had is they keep trying to chase after a star player instead of adding lots of good pieces. And this what happened with them with Anthony Rendon. It happened to them – I mean, ever since Artie Marino has been there, they've been trying to get a star in there. And it, Albert Pujols was a bad contract for them. Obviously, a fantastic player over his career, but you know, it, it none of them, none of these guys they've kind of gone after have worked out, it, and they've just they've ignored they've they've ignored depth for like the entire time that he's been around. Artie Marino's owned this team, and I think that the good thing is that this year they kind of went back on that. They kind of added depth, and I would have liked. I, I didn't love all the pieces they added, but they added a lot of guys. I mean, Hunter Renfro, like you said. I feel like this team needs more contact in their lineup and Hunter Renfro is not that, but he's a good player and they needed to add good players. Brendan Drury is kind of the same way. Like he's a good player. They needed to add good players. I like that. I mean, not really off season, but I really liked Logan O'Hoppy addition uh, for, mm-hmm. for this year. I think he's going to do well. Gio Urshela, I guess he is kind of contact. I like him. Tyler Anderson, I don't love. I feel like I would have liked to have seen them get one more starting pitcher, or maybe maybe get a starting pitcher that was yeah. a different one from Tyler Anderson. I think he's right. fine, but I didn't love like the pick of him. I like the aggressiveness to get go out and get a guy that you really like. But I, I mean, I give him a B. I think this is a fringe playoff contender. The injury 
concerns are there. I mean, you've got injury concerns with Rendon. You've got injury concerns with Trout. And, and I mean, I, I know Otani's had two healthy seasons in a row, but man, you still got injury concerns with Otani because of just the way that he plays with pitching and hitting. He's had those issues in the past. And, it, you know, if there's a player in baseball that, you know, everyone talks about how Shohei Otani is a guy like he should get paid $50 million a year because he's basically like having two players. Well, if he gets hurt, you're losing two players at one time yep. too. So it's, that worries me a little bit. Yep. And, I mean, I, I like this team. I think they could end up being like they could even be with, with Trout and Otani, and if Rendon is actually like fully back to being healthy this year, and the pitching hits, this team could be a close-ish to the Astros. But they just, I just don't expect all that to happen. I mean, that would take a lot to go right. Like the ceiling is yeah. very high, but the floor is also like Ot- Trout has his back issue pop up. Otani has an elbow issue, and they are in well they won't be in last place because the a's but they're in fourth place again like i mean this is just that this is a really hard team to judge but i'll say that that something in the middle somewhere in the middle happens and they're close to the wild card may get that third wild card may not but this is a better team than they have been the last few years you two have drank the juice this year and i'm not doing it again (laughs) because i've done it for two straight years and it's bit me in the ass every time so i am not doing it I've never drank the Angels juice for what I, it's worth. They, they just, I have. Yeah. All right. This is a. I, I don't know a if it was last year. Team. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. I said that exact same thing, and I said they were going to beat the Astros in the division. Okay. I think it was so, last year. Well, I, I didn't say know. that. I don't know I, if it was last yeah. year. I think it was twenty twenty. I think great. last year I said the Mariners. Maybe. But anyways, uh, I gave them a B. I think it's a a really solid team. It's the first time, like David said, they've had a competent team around. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani since they've pretty much been here. Um, I think there's a time when right now you can look at their lineup and say all of those guys are very valid major leaguers. And you could look at their bench and say you have probably three valid major leaguers there as well, at least. Uh, You look at the starting rotation, you could say you have about four to five guys who should be in a major league rotation. You have a bullpen where you say you have at least five or six really competent major league bullpen arms. Like it's finally a time where you're not throwing out, you know, three guys in your lineup that you think should be, you know, quad a players or or triple a guys. Like they finally have competent people around. I'm not sure it's going to amount to being, you know, able to keep up with the Astros or the, the, uh, the Mariners, uh, unless Trout and Otani go absolutely insane, which like, Hey, we're here for it. Um, you know, we, none of us even mentioned it, but the, the trout back injury thing, like that could creep up at any time again. I mean, he's still fantastic player was, was amazing last year, but that could still creep up at any time. Uh, I have no idea what their outlook's going to be. I'm not going to say that they're going to be good. I'm not going to say they're going to be bad because they're going to be somewhere in the middle. And if I say one, they're going to be the total opposite. So I just hope they have fun playing this year. I just hope we all have fun. Baseball will be played in Los Angeles and in Anaheim. It, yeah, yeah. There, there will be real baseball in Los Angeles. Um, Maybe if you want to see some. Not if they some... keep tearing their ACLs. Ooh. Can I kick oh. David out of here? <laughs> no, forget. All right, back, uh, so. <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and jump over to Seattle. Uh, you know, a team that really excited us all last year. Uh, and have a have a bright future. So, David, what do you like with the uh, the Seattle Mariners heading into 2023? I was debating between Ty France and the entire bullpen. Um, 
Ty France. I, I'm going to go Ty France, actually. Yeah, so the bullpen's good. Yes! Uh, Ty France is really good, and I think he's a little bit underrated still, but he might be getting that he's so underrated. He's underrated so often that he actually becomes overrated thing where he's a really good player. Uh, not often in this era do you see one, a first baseman, but two, a guy who pits 20 plus home runs to have a strikeout rate below, you know, at, at to below 15%. I mean, Ty France is like an elite contact hitter that also has great slug and great approach. Um, he's kind of a, a great all around hitter. And I love that in the middle of a lineup. He's, he's just a really good player. And, you know, got, I think he got his first all-star berth last year that, or he got snubbed one of the two, but Either way, I, I look for him to anchor this lineup next year. He he's going to have T. Oscar Hernandez with him. I love T. Oscar Hernandez. Uh, you know Julio Rodriguez, obviously, but yeah, Ty France is my guy for next year. I think he's going to continue to put together good at bats and uh, have a really good approach in the middle of that Mariners lineup. Yeah, I, amazing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with um, George Kirby. I, I think George Kirby is a guy who Another amazing one. Yeah, I really really like him. Uh, last year in the minor leagues, in uh, he put up 11.6 strikeouts per nine to 1.8 strike uh, walks per nine, which was awesome. And then he got called up to the big leagues to make his debut, and he was just as good in the big leagues for 130 innings. He had a 299 FIP in the big leagues in 130 innings in his rookie year. The only concern was that he was on a little bit of an innings limit, I believe, um, which kind of messed with him down the stretch but this guy throws really hard and has like as good a command as you'll find in the big leagues already and he's a you know he just doesn't walk guys at at all i mean he walked 1.5 per nine last year in his rookie season while throwing you know mid to upper 90s with his fastball so this is a guy who I, i really really like that profile sometimes you worry a little bit about a guy like that getting hit hard because uh, he's around the zone so much, but he really didn't get hit that hard last year. Um, you know, he 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 didn't give up a lot of home runs. He got a pretty good amount of grounders. I, I mean, I you know, his if he continues to work on his breaking stuff a little bit, which it seems like it got better last year. I mean, this guy has ace potential to me. I, I mean, I, I really really like this guy. I think he's going to be. I think that he will be. I'm not ready to say he's going to be better than Luis Castillo this year. I think he's got higher upside than Luis Castillo. I don't know if he'll be there yet, but I think he's got the highest upside in this rotation. He could be he could be the best pitcher in this rotation. That's saying something because it's a really good one. So I love both of those picks. Um, I was going to pick Ty France to start with, but I've talked about him so much on this podcast already that I felt like I should pick somebody else. I picked George Kirby then because he's been a guy who I've liked literally since he was at Elon College. Um, and I was I was going to pick him, and then Matt wanted to pick him, and then I moved to Luis Castillo because uh, I, I think Luis Castillo is one of the more underrated pitchers in the major leagues. Uh, he played in Cincinnati forever and was actually really good there. He went to Seattle and was – pretty damn good in Seattle. And then, you know, they signed him to that long-term extension. Uh, He was supposed to be a free agent this year. Uh, And that's why everyone started saying that, you know, Seattle didn't make the big move, but they re-signed Luis Castillo this year. Like Uh to anchor the top of that rotation, it's the move that everyone thought Robbie Ray was going to be like, or not, I guess not everyone thought they were going to be, but the Mariners thought it was going to be, you know, having this rotation anchored by Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, 
And then Robbie Ray, who is probably your fourth in this rotation at this moment, like this, this rotation is going to be so dang good. And I think Luis Castillo getting a full year out of Cincinnati and with a team who is young, who is exciting, who plays really solid defense. I think you're going to see maybe even another level there. I wouldn't be surprised if Luis Castillo is able to have a, a mid two ERA this year. Yeah. I, I feel like George Kirby kind of reminds me of Spencer Strider and then Luis Castillo coming over to the Mariners. That could be a, yeah, like a Cy Young type of season coming up too. like he, I think both of them are going to be really good. Yeah, George Kirby reminds me a lot of Shane Bieber. Mm. Yeah. That's a good Dang. pick too. Really I think, he I think like, he, he he's been working on a nasty slider too. Yeah. Just to, that's I know you mentioned his breaking yeah. stuff, but it, he's done something to his slider this year. Yeah, Strider. I think Strider's strikeout numbers or his walk numbers are a little bit higher. Strikeout numbers are a little higher. But I, George Kirby's a. I mean, he doesn't walk anybody. It's insane. <sighs> so, uh, all right, David. So, who are you worried about on the Mariners? Not much, man. This is a good team, but I, I'll take I'll take the the offense of the middle infield basically. So I think J- J. P. Crawford and Colton Wong up the middle are probably going to be a really good defensive duo. Um, but Crawford was not that great on offense last year, and then Colton Wong's historically not been kind of like a below average, kind of decent ish middle infielder, right? Like I guess Crawford was actually better than I thought he was, but he wasn't slugging at all and these days it seems like you really want to have that that big slug in the middle of your in the middle of your infield and they've got two kind of contacty guys that are a little more volatile and a little more victim to defenses behind them um that said you know just the fact i i really couldn't find much to be upset with right i like this whole entire team i think it's a really really strong team um i think overall these guys will be good but i think you know, if the Mariners were looking to upgrade somewhere, it's it's this or it's what Matt's going to talk about. Basically, there's not a whole lot of places to upgrade. Yeah, and I, you know, speaking of what I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about Jared Kelenic because this is a guy who pretty much everybody thought was going to be a an elite outfield bat, a corner outfield bat. And when he was a prospect, he came up with the came up through the Mets system, was traded in the Edwin Diaz Robinson Cano trade. People clown the Mets for trading him, and at the time they it felt like they should. And he continued to mash, mashed his way through high A, double A, triple A, got to the big leagues, and then just completely forgot how to hit. And his strikeout rate in the minor leagues was really pretty solid, with the exception of just 46 games at high A in 2019. Like other than that, like he was below 20% at every stop in the, or right at 20% or below at every stop in the minor leagues. And in 2021, at the big league level, it was 28%. And then, you know, goes to 2022 after, you know, he kind of felt like he might have gotten a little bit better down the stretch in 2021 at the big league level. Maybe he was finding it a little bit. 2022, I mean, like he had a 55 WRC plus he had a 34% strikeout rate of, of 141 average. I mean, I'm not a big batting average guy, but you can't survive in the big <laughs> leagues hitting 141 and you know, triple a though. I mean, triple a last year, he hit, had a 123 WRC plus, which is good. Maybe not as good as his numbers had been in the past at triple a, but it was good. And he hit 18 home runs in 86 games at triple a. It's just, I mean, I you know he has. There's something about him at the big league level that's held him back. And 
we're going on a sample size of, you know, basically a full season now. And there's been a few, and I've, I've seen some, you know, I've, I've read up on him some this offseason. There's been a few players who have had this bad of a start at the big league level that ended up eventually figuring it out and becoming really, really good players, like, like what he was billed to be. But this is a guy who it feels like right now, like if you can get an everyday player out of him, you'll be really, really, really happy for that. And it just does not feel like he's going to get there right now. I mean, it's, there's a lot. He has a lot to work on. I mean, his defense isn't going to be a carrying fact factor. His 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 base running's okay, and his offense has to be at least league average. And it's just there's a long way to go before it can get there. So I'm not saying he can't do it, but that's definitely a spot I'm worried about. And and in left field, they really don't have that many options because I mean, they could put AJ Pollock out there some, but you know, it's like. I mean, I you know he's probably going to get hurt if you put him out there. So, yeah, I mean, and you know, Kellenick is a guy. I mean, we're, you're talking about a former number three overall prospect yeah. here. Like, it, there's some potential there. It just, oh yeah. What can you do to find it to help him maximize it there? Um, you know, the uh, the guy that I ended up going with. Uh, it's a not a very big problem for the Mariners. It's just a guy who I just don't really care for all that much. And it's Marco Gonzalez. Um, yeah. He's their number five starter who had a four thirteen ERA last year, but over the past two years he hasn't had a FIP under five. Um, last year he was down to like five strikeouts per nine as well. I mean he's never been a big strikeout guy, but I mean he was down to like five and still walking two and a half per nine. Um, you know they have a very clear fix. They have Chris Flexen right there that they're projecting to be in the, their, uh, their long relief situation in the bullpen. I mean, the one thing about Gonzalez is he's a workhorse. I mean, he started 32 games last year, had 180 innings pitched. Like he'll get you innings. They're not going to be, you know, great innings. They're just going to be a, a very mediocre, mediocre, I should say, um, bit of innings there. And, and if, if you're worried about a number five starter on a team, then, you know, what worry really is there. But uh, I, I just wish they would have thrown Chris Flexen in the rotation rather than Gonzalez. He already got lit up in spring training. I think he had four, yeah. four runs in his first inning or something there. And then it just, he, he's not a guy who, you know, you should be very high on or, or have in your rotation, but. Yeah, they're probably going to want to trade for a guy to, you know, to kind of, fix that five spot if I had to guess I mean you don't even have to you have Flexen right there who's been pretty solid in his major league time like he had a 370 RA last year in 137 innings like, yeah just give him the opportunity DFA yeah, Gonzalez yes. and move on with it yeah but anyways or you have Matt Brash if you want to make him ooh, starter ooh, again ooh, ooh. Uh-uh. I'm saying if if you never know if but uh you know so let's jump over to our grades and our outlook for for this this team going into 2023. So let's go ahead and start with David. Yeah, I, I gave him a B minus and I think that might even be a little generous to what I feel their off season was, you know, they, they lost Mitch Hanniger. They kind of replaced him with T Oscar Hernandez, who I really, really like, but Hanniger was a leader for that team. Um, but this doesn't feel like a team that needed to do a whole lot, right? They also get Colton Wong, not my favorite, definitely on my worried list, but like I said, this is a team that's really good. They they didn't need a big move of, by any stretch of the imagination to to be a contender this season. They made the playoffs last year. They gave they were the only team to give an Astros a run for their money, really. Um, so 
I like the way this team is built. I think they're going to be really good going forward. Uh, they're very young across pretty much across the board. The pitching rotation is so strong. Uh, I don't think they've got enough to get after the Astros for the division, but we'll talk about the Astros in a little bit. I, ultimately, I think that, you know, there are scenarios where they beat the Astros out for the division this year. And I think this is a team that could very well ride that rotation to being a, you know, 100 win team. And that might not even be enough in this division, but still. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the same page for the most part. I think that their offense, their uh, offseason, I gave them a B. And, and probably the reason I gave them a B where you give them a B minus is because I, I do like Colton Wong. I think he's he's kind of he's gotten to where he's an above average hitter rather than a below average hitter. His three out of the last four years with the only one that he was below average being the short season. And he's still a good defender. Last year he he was really good offensively last year. He had like a one fifteen WRC plus and for whatever reason just the defensive metrics hated him last year, whereas in his career he's been a really good defender. So I, I liked that ad. Um I thought that the um I mean I AJ Pollock was a fine ad for me. Teoscar Hernandez, I think, is going to be kind of a wash with losing Mitch Haniger. I think they're similar types of players. They hit the ball hard, decent on base. They think they're going to slug pretty well. Um, I think that, um, I mean, I would have given them, high, it's hard to give them higher than that because they didn't fill all the holes they have. I mean, like I say, I. I probably would have brought in another corner outfielder to compete with Kellenic or maybe a number five starter because I just I don't I don't believe in Marco Gonzalez either and and I mean Flexen I, I guess would be all right but I, I don't know I mean I just it feels like you need more than four really good pitchers in your you know depth wise these days but I think that they're I think it's fine I mean like like you said I mean there's there's not a ton of holes in this team I, I like what they did I mean I. <laughs> The upside of their offense is probably the limiting factor for me here, but I could, I think they're contenders for the division. I think they could be close to the Astros this year, especially if Julio Rodriguez takes that next jump. Um, I think they could, and but I think this is a pretty solid team, so I I, I could give them, you know, I think they could run the run with the Astros. Even saying that Julio Rodriguez might take another jump is absolutely insane because yeah, really he could. did I what mean, he did last year. I, I, I know, know, but it, I, it's like his plate discipline wasn't good last year. If his plate discipline with just a little experience gets better, like my God. Oh yeah, like it, it's insane if if he's able to take another another step forward at all. Um, but you know, overall for this team, I gave them a B as well. Um, you know, they they re-signed Luis Castillo. Uh, Colton Wong pretty much replaces Adam Frazier, which I, I think is a win on that side. Uh, you know, Tay Oscar and Mitch Hanniger, you you can call it a wash. I think, you know, Tay Oscar's maybe a little bit better there. Um, you know, if you're able to unlock something with Kellenic, that's going to be a major, major factor here. Uh, another under-the-radar thing, they brought in Tommy Lastella. If he's able yep. to stay healthy, uh, that could be a really sneaky ad for them as well. Uh, but it really comes down to, I, I just think this rotation is so good. I think getting a full year of Luis Castillo, knowing that he's locked in uh, long-term for you, if Logan Gilbert and George Kirby are able to take the next step forward, uh, if you're able to you know, find the middle ground between you know Arizona Diamondbacks and Toronto Blue Jays' Robbie Ray, like if you could find somewhere in the middle ground there, I mean, this team could be 
can be lights out. Um, I have them as division contenders. I don't quite think at the moment they're right there to the Astros. I just think the Astros are a little bit too good all around, but it just takes, you know, maybe one injury and the, the Mariners will be right there as, uh, you know, contending game for game, I think. Yeah. Just, just to clarify, when I say with the Astros, I mean, I don't, I, if I had to pick today, I'd probably still pick the Astros, but I think they're close. Yeah. No. It is. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the aforementioned uh, Astros. And then, David, who do you, uh, who do you like? So from last year, uh, sorry, during last year, from April to mid September, Framber Valdez had a quality start every start that he pitched. Uh, the the streak did end going down the stretch, and then the Astros limited his innings a little bit, and then he was great in the playoffs again. But he's taking over for Justin Verlander as the ace of the rotation, um, and that's a guy that you know is going to have to anchor, you know, maybe even step up a little bit more. And he just seems like an innings eater, though. He's so, so tough to square up that, you know, he's leading a, a young rotation, which is wild to say, given the, the strength of this Astros team has been in its pitching. But, you know, between him, Urquidy, Christian Javier, uh, Luis Garcia, this is just a group of, of guys who are young and talented. I, I just, it and Hunter Brown, too, like, Framber is going to have to be the ace of this group and the guy who kind of steps up and leads. But this pitching rotation just looks so strong on paper. Um, I, when we get to the <laughs> when we get to the the thing I don't like, I'll talk about after it. But these five guys are really really strong, and Framber is maybe one of the most underrated like starting pitchers and like ace level starting pitchers in baseball just because he's so reliable at grabbing that quality start going six innings that depth uh, keeping that bullpen fresh it's so valuable to have that um, you know there's not much question as to whether or not he can keep it up because I mean he did it all year and he almost never got squared up I just feel like he's very very reliable uh, to pencil in for a ton of innings next year maybe one of the only guys you could think that'll hit 200 innings next year a couple of little things on, on Framber uh, and the rotation. Every single one of these rotation members was either drafted or signed by Houston as international free agents. Uh, all six in the potential with McCullers if he gets healthy, which is pretty yeah. pretty remarkable how well they've done with their pitching development. But um, the the guy that I like is Kyle Tucker. I, I think that it's unbelievable that people don't talk about him in an elite tier like they like they should Kyle Tucker it over the last two years in 2021 put up 4.6 war at a 294 average 360 on base 557 slug and a 145 WRC plus last year he was extremely unlucky on balls in play with a 261 batting average on balls in play which part might be partially related to the shift which is gone but he was even underperformed his his expected metrics even with the 261 last year with the shift and he still put up a 129 WRC plus and 4.7 war this guy is really freaking good he put up 25 stolen bases 30 home runs i mean his projections have him as a five win or or higher player this year. He's young. He's still only twenty. He's twenty six years old. He's still young. I mean, he. I, don't, I mean, nobody talks about him. Like it's like he's an afterthought on this team. So I just I I, I think he's I, I think it's 
just unbelievable that nobody ever talks about this guy. He's, he's he's one of the best players in baseball, in my opinion. You know, I I think it's crazy, but yeah, Kyle Tucker is really really good. He you could make the argument that he is, you know, right there with a Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve as leaders of his team, mm-hmm. like for how good offensively he really is. And people don't talk about him in that tier. Um, he's so underrated in my opinion, but, um, you know, for my pick, I picked Hunter Brown, but before I get to him, um, the one thing that went really unnoticed this last year, you know, to most people uh, with this Houston Astros team, uh, cause it kind of got thrown under the radar between Justin Verlander with his comeback from Tommy John and Cy Young season for Ember Valdez and the quality start streak was just how good and of a breakout Christian Javier had last year. Uh, he's a guy who had been bounced back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen, even started last year in the bullpen, uh, came out after he uh, you know, got put back in the rotation, had a 254 ERA, a 243 expected ERA, a 316 FIP, and a 353 XFIP for 3.4 war. Uh, he absolutely dominated in the playoffs in the World Series, had a no-hitter into what, the sixth inning, was it? Yeah. The, sixth or seventh inning? Combined no-hitter on the game. Right, but I believe he went into yeah. the sixth or seventh. Yeah, yeah, I don't I know think it's uh, there. Um, he's just – he had an absolute breakout this last year, and it's going to be fun to see what he can do you know, as a full-time starter. But uh, the guy I, I really did end up going with was Hunter Brown, um, you know, a guy who came up last year, started a couple games, mostly out of the bullpen, only 20 innings, but he looked electric uh, last year. His uh, command, he still needs to refine that some, but in in his 20 innings, he had a 0.89 ERA, an expected ERA of 296, and a 198 FIP. Um, You know, in his 20 20 innings, he almost put put up above a half war already. Like, if he's able to do into a rotation – uh, for a full season, his innings will probably be limited. Would probably be about 120 to 130, kind of what you saw with George Kirby this last year. But he's he's able to do a George Kirby level production. You know, obviously not the, the walk rate, but with the three three ERA, like Hunter Brown's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to what do we don't like uh, about the Houston Astros? And David, what do you got? Oh, David, you're muted. I got it. I got it. <laughs> the so the 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 Astros baseline team, their their 26 man roster is probably one of the best in baseball, if not the best in baseball, coming off a World Series championship. After that, it starts to get a little bit shallow, and I think it gets shallow a lot quicker than some of these other teams. Uh, the the Astros do have the the develop the pitching development to have five homegrown starters right now, really six with Lance McCullers. Uh, that said, after McCullers, there's not really anything, and McCullers is already hurt again, uh, and he has been very unreliable with making you know making starts in his career. So he you can't really rely on him. Hunter Brown's young, uh, and if you have any injuries in that rotation, all of a sudden it starts to go from clearly one of the top three or four rotations in baseball to uh well you know we're we're losing guys fast uh and and they're they're they don't have that much uh room for error i don't think this season compared to what they did last season i think the mariners are uh right on their heels at this point so um and i don't think there's no other pushovers in this division right other than the a's and everyone's going to get to play the a's the same number of games 
So I just don't see a path for them to, you know, blow the division away again by so much just because the teams behind them are closing that gap. Um, and if the Astros have any misfortune, it feels very, very open that they could, you know, lose that big gap that they had last year because it's already getting narrowed by the teams behind them improving by the Astros really only getting Jose Abreu. So long way to say I'm worried about their rotation after, you know, the five that we've talked about. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind you on that, David. I, 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 I guess I'll get into it a little bit more in my when we talk about the outlook, but I, I'm 100% agree with that. Uh, but uh, the guy that the position that I wanted to hit on here was just catcher in general. I mean, and it's not really that I'm worried about a specific player. It's just the fact that I just don't buy into Martin Maldonado as being a starting catcher. Like even last year, they brought in Christian Vasquez, who was good for them, and I mean, I know Martin Maldonado started a lot late in the season in the playoffs and stuff, but he's also a year older. His defense is going to is going to decline at some point and I mean, hit the bat is just so bad. I mean, the bat is 70 WRC plus last year. I just I mean, I would have added something where, you know, if you have a, a pitcher that really wants to throw to Martin Maldonado, you bring Martin Maldonado in late in games, you know, then then that's fantastic. And he's a great player to have on your team for his leadership qualities too. But they really, I feel like, needed to add somebody who has some form of a bat here, you know, at least to to play some, to play a timeshare with Martin Maldonado. Because I mean, otherwise they're, you know, they've got a rookie in Corey Lee who, you know, he, he's a pretty good prospect, but he's, you know, he's really young. And I mean, he didn't exactly kill it at the plate last year in double in AAA either. Had a almost 30% strikeout rate and a 90 WRC plus at triple a last year. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think, um, I definitely think that they probably would have been better, you know, well-pressed to add at catcher, but you know, we'll see what happens going forward with them. We do know that they were involved in the Wilson Contreras, uh, and Sean Murphy sweepstakes. Uh, obviously Murphy was going to be harder with them being in the division, but, um, you know, another one that would to you know go with maybe that backup catcher. I have seen that Yanir Diaz is battling Corey Lee for the backup catcher spot. Um, he's been pretty interesting, actually a lot more interesting than Corey Lee has been. Uh, last year in Double uh, A, in 267 appearances, he hit nine homers, batted 316, a 121 WRC plus. Went to Triple A. And in 219 plate appearances, hit 16 homers with a 294 yeah. average and a 121 WRC plus. Uh, he could be another interesting uh, guy about you know maybe taking that back backup catcher role and maybe even a starting catcher. Um, so just just wanted to highlight that one as well because I do know I did see that him and Corey Lee are battling um, for the backup catcher spot. Yeah. Uh, but the the place that I really went to is the bench depth. David kind of went to it you know, talked about their rotation, but it's kind of their organization wide issue. They are very, very good. They have probably the best, you know, major league roster at the moment. But once you get past that, it gets kind of iffy. I mean, right now you're talking about your benches, either Lee or Diaz, who we were just talking about David Hensley, uh, Mauricio Dubon and Jake Myers. That is their, their bench at the moment. Uh, and then you're like, well, who else do they have down there? I mean, JJ, how do you know how to say it? Maitevich? 
I don't, I don't even. Matajevich, right? Wait, he said, I have no idea. I'm not even going to try it anymore. (laughs) Um, Joe Perez, Ryland Bannon, uh, Lee Medeiros. Like I just, it's not, it's not anything good. Um, you know, they have the team that's going to help them if, if one injury is there to, to get by it. But if you deal with multiple injuries or you have a big injury for long term, you don't have anything to really help offset that at the moment. Yeah. Um, so the, the bench depth or, or overall organizational depth uh, for me is, is what I'm kind of worried about with the Astros. But if everyone stays healthy, then who the hell cares? They'll be a potential World Series favorite again. But uh, you know, talking about that, what is uh, what is our grades and outlook for the Astros this year? Yeah, so look, I I think that the off essentially stopping with Jose Abreu, um, was one indicative of how complete this team already was. But you know, two, it they really could have used some of those guys that signed with the A's essentially, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, you know, when it comes down to trade deadline time and they're looking for Jace, a uh, Jace Peterson to fill up because Alex Bregman got hurt. Uh, you know, the A's are going to charge them a premium versus the other teams. So I, I just, I don't like the off season specifically because Jose Abreu is really good. Keeps them from being like an F or anything, but they didn't, really add to that depth and and we've been talking about it it's it's definitely their achilles seal here and if they don't have that injury luck like having justin verlander come back from injury and being better than he's ever been they're they're probably going to have some regression on that aspect that said we've we've been over it this is the maybe the best team in baseball they're the defending world series champs they're going to be fine this is the division favorite for sure I'd, I'd say probably like a 60 to 70% chance they win the division again, like a high, high percentage. If you're betting, you bet for the Astros, right? But I, de- I'm definitely looking at some, some much higher potential for uh, injuries and other, you know, baseball related, age related things to crop up with this team that maybe haven't been present in the past. And that's aside from, you know, Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Bregman, those guys just being their solid selves. Yeah, I um, I'm a I'm a similar page here. I I liked some parts of their offseason and didn't like other parts. I liked uh, I like Jose Abreu signing because I think he basically is what you were getting out of Yuli Gurriel a couple of years ago, and last year Yuli Gurriel kind of getting up there in age didn't really do very much, and you're kind of saying okay we're gonna get Jose Abreu who's kind of what Yuli Gurriel was year before last he's he doesn't have the same power he used to but he's still got good power and he's gonna hit for a pretty high average and get on base a lot he's a solid solid guy pick up there I like re-signing Michael Brantley I think he's still just a really solid contact hitter and it's, it, he's always gonna be that he's always been really good at it um, and the things that I didn't like was I mean, you lost you lost Justin Verlander to free agency and you didn't replace him. I mean, like that, I don't, I mean, you you lost a guy who put up 180 innings with a 170 ERA. I mean, that's going to hurt losing him without replacing. I mean, you're replacing him with a prospect essentially. So I I mean, that kind of hurts. I thought they maybe could have added, I mean, like you said, the, 
depth on their bench. I mean, I think this team's still very good, and they're my favorite for this division. But I do worry a little bit about that rotation outside of Framber Valdez is really good. And, and I'm not saying that I'm worried about him as in, like, I think they're bad or something. I think there's a top a top rotation in baseball. But people are calling him the best rotation in baseball, and I just don't quite see it. Like, Valdez is really good. Javier has one year under his belt of being a really solid starter, but he's also a two-pitch guy, and sometimes those two-pitch guys, you have one really good year, and then teams kind of figure you out a little bit. Like, as in, I think he's still going to be good, but maybe not quite what he was last year. Arquides had a huge swing in his fit versus his uh, – you know what his ERA ended up being. He had a he really outperformed his peripherals, and I think Luis Garcia is a solid number three. And Hunter Brown, I, I think it's going to be really good, but he's also a guy who has command issues, and he's still a really young prospect. So I think he, there's a good chance that he's really good, but there's a lot of volatility there. So I like this team. I, I think they're the best team in this division still. Their lineup is absolutely sickeningly good. Uh, their bullpen is still really good. I thought they overpaid Montero, but I still think they're really good. And, you know, overpaying doesn't matter if it's not hurting you other places. But like you mentioned, I mean, the road, the depth is just going to hurt for me a little bit. So I gave their offseason a C plus because I like Debreu. Uh, but and I think they're the division favorite, but I, I, I think they're probably still the top team in the American League. But I don't think it's. I thought last year it wasn't very close who the best team in the American League was. I think this year it's close. So I like this team, but I think the gap has been shortened some. Yeah, so I originally had him at a B. I'm gonna I'm gonna change it to a B minus. I know it's not all that much different, but um, you know, looking at the offseason, they did sign Jose Abreu. You're basically, I mean, this team was what the best team in the American league last year. And they were getting 88 WRC plus performance from Yuli Gurriel adding Jose Abreu into this lineup. That's going to make a massive difference. Um, you know, getting Michael Brantley, if you can get him to stay healthy, I mean, a full season of him, he played 277 or got 277 plate appearances last year. That'll be a massive help though. Over, you know, I think what Jake Myers was playing, yeah you know, in the outfield at that point, I mean, you, you lost Justin Verlander. Let's not downplay how big of a loss that is, but overall, like what else did they lose? I mean, you lost Christian Vasquez, which you acquired mid season. You could always do that again. You lost Trey Mancini, which you acquired last season and pretty much benched him in the playoffs. Well, Edmus Diaz, like he was, he played a little bit for you, but I mean, you got Mauricio Dubon who could probably give you similar production. Uh, You know, Will Smith, He's not even signed. Nico Goodrum's minor league deal. Yuli Gurriel and Josh James. Those were the other two names they lost off their major league roster. They really didn't lose anything outside of Justin Verlander that is substantial to this team. And the depth, you can always acquire depth at the rotation or at the, the deadline. It's just I, the depth is, is the one thing that we're worried about. They can find a way to make that up. And I think the offensive production is going to help. The offensive upgrade in production, I think, is going to help the you know downgrade you had a little bit in the pitching staff um, there a little bit it's not going to totally mitigate it but this is still a team that should be the division favorites they should be the american league favorites and they should probably win close to 100 games if not over 100 games again uh, as long as as everybody stays healthy here um you know i i said they were going to team that downfall 
last year and they proved me wrong and went to the World Series and and won it. Like I, this team is just they're they're good. And and there's yeah. not really much else we can say about it. But but uh that's gonna wrap up the AL West uh you know off season recap, you know, preview for twenty twenty three. But anything else you guys want to wrap up on before we close the the episode out? I don't think we mentioned it, but the Astros bullpen is really freaking good again, too. Yeah, so. yeah. it's good. We, we, we can't say enough times about how if, if everything breaks right for them, that's the best team in, in baseball. But mm-hmm. they're going to need more to break right than they got last year. So I think that's, I think that's a point that's been well made, well documented. And uh, what are we next week? NL East? NL East. All right. Uh, Matt gets to talk one. about the Braves, folks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're each going to have an episode in the next three weeks. Yep, let's go. All NL. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, um, just for me, I, this division is really interesting to me. It's got a lot of volatility. This might be the most interesting division in baseball. Um, and From top to bottom, for sure. Yeah, yep. just the amount of like, there's three teams in this division, or there's, or there's two teams in this division that could be like super good or super bad. And then there's two teams that, one team that could be like, good or really really good and then there's the astros and then there's the a's who are just bad so there's a lot of volatility between like the middle teams in this division so we'll see what happens there but uh a couple other things that we didn't mention and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks in more in depth with the manny machado extension um 11 years 350 million dollars and then at some point we're going to want to talk about the rule changes and how they've started off here in spring training we don't really have time this week but maybe in that last prediction episode right before the season starts uh maybe we'll have some time to chat about that but i think those they're definitely showing some uh there's definitely some interest there in spring training already so um we'll see what happens with that but yeah yeah, it's been an interesting episode here talking about the uh, the American League uh, West. And next week we'll talk about the NL East. Uh, but until then, thank you guys for tuning in to the Batflip Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.